The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Why are you dressed like a hockey goalie in our living room? Well, you know how I said that we really needed to save more? So you're dressed like a goalie because you make saves? Yes. Maybe we should just go to Navy Federal Credit Union. They have tons of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. Oh, what a save! (sighs) Grow your finances with the official military appreciation partner of the NHL, Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. A roast as dark as the night, perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes, he's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of Spring Hill Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> That's what love means. Love means putting your your sister in a box. Hey, hey, listen. I know you just ate like 15 babies right in front of me. Yeah, but let's chat, buddy. What's wrong? I care about you too. I'm crying now. I'm crying. Me love blood of man, but me also feel feelings. Yeah, bro. Yeah, feelings. I'm turning into Morty. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, jeez, Rick. (laughs) All right, we got to get out of here, (laughs) Morty. I didn't realize that we had to, we actually got stuck in a different franchise. Get out of here, Rick and Morty. Get out of here. The demon blood art. Go back to the Rick and Morty episode. We already talked about how your fandom is problematic. We don't need you. The Demon Slayer <laughs> fandom is way cooler and more friendly. Um, it's cooler <laughs> and bigger and yeah, uh, involves, uh, the, it's the four quadrants of anime, baby. <laughs> it is Demon Slayer, right, is the episode we are doing today. And it has been, you know, what a, what I love most about this job, right? That is an anime that I have definitely been eyeing mm-hmm. in the distance as something to get into. And wouldn't you know it, I had to 
watch every single episode and the sequel film for my job. And that was such a pleasure. What a joy to get to experience this whole thing for the first time. What a just a nice fun, especially for someone, you know, I'm watching this sitting in the dark with my uh, infant child. And, you know, it was such a great escape and so bright and colorful and beautiful and uh, I just had a blast with this thing, and I'm so excited to get to talk about it today, and especially about its ridiculous success. Let me just give the synopsis real quick before we gush. Demon Slayer, also known as Kimetsu no Yaiba, which translates to Blade of Demon Destruction, is a manga series written and illustrated by Koyoharu uh, Gotuge, Gotouge, which has been adapted to an anime television series produced by uh, UFO Table. The sequel film that was released in 2020 became the highest grossing anime film and Japanese film of all time. Of all Get time. wrecked, spirited away. Yeah. Your name? More like, you're lame. Get the fuck out of here. And just uh, to put that in perspective, Miyazaki's masterpiece, Spirited Away, one of the greatest achievements in anime filmmaking, has been surpassed by a shonen sequel film, mm-hmm. by a film that is not even a standalone. It, you, you you know, to best enjoy it, you need to watch the 26 episodes that contain are contained in the first season. You say no, not, not even a standalone to. film. I, I think part of the success is the fact that it was an anime film that actually was canonically important to the story. Oh, maybe that's Whereas, true. Whereas, yeah, because yeah. like, every, I feel like every other anime film from Dragon Ball to My Hero Academia to every Naruto, everything in between is just like, hi there, main cast of heroes. I am Koji, your friend that you will never see or hear from again. Can you help us fight this villain in the land of very far away where everything of from where everything else takes place? <laughs> sure thing. Wow. I I will hold these memories forever and you will never acknowledge that any of this happened because it didn't canonically. Right. Yeah, maybe they're right that the importance of it in the in the franchise uh, in the story uh made it a must see for people but also it happened and we'll get more into this later but I think its success is also largely centered around COVID and the quarantine experience and leaving the quarantine experience when the movie hit the theaters, but it is just ridiculous. I, I Another stat for you guys, it was the uh, highest grossing worldwide box office film of 2020, and that is the first time a non-Hollywood film has been the highest grossing worldwide box office movie ever. That's If you think weird. about the history of cinema, that is unbelievable, and again, Largely due to a few different external factors as well, but it has just been incredible. I mean, but that's the most amazing thing about it. It's like backwards successful in this weird way. I mean, most of the time, usually the manga is the smash hit, and then it gets adapted. It's a no-brainer, but it's actually UFO Table, the producer of the anime that came in, took this already pretty successful manga and made it the most successful manga and of 2020, essentially. Made it the most successful manga in 2019, honestly, uh, when the first uh, season came out. Holden, can I admit something? Can I admit something what? real, real uh, spicy right off the bat within the first sure. five minutes of this episode? Uh, obviously, for research purposes, I went back and read a lot of the manga. Uh, it's pronounced manga, like mango. That's definitely how it's pronounced. <laughs> so it's manga, like uh, Manos, Hands of Fate. <laughs> um, but I went back and read it, and uh, especially having done a lot of uh, research stuff like uh, One Punch Man reading the manga again was like incredible. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist reading the manga again was incredible. The anime series elevates the base material 
to such an insane degree that like reading the manga, I was like kind of disappointed. I was like, wow. I like stuff that I was like, oh, what a brilliant every a lot of times when I would thought to myself, wow, what an incredible choice in character design. What an incredible choice in framing. What an incredible choice in dialogue. It wasn't in the manga Uh that like the manga was almost just kind of this this bare bones skeleton that UFO table kind of like built this entire gorgeous uh, just creature around. I was uh-huh. kind of blown away. Yeah, you know, and a lot of that too, though, is the addition of spectacular color and um, spectacular effects during those big fight scene moments mm. that just really, that really leave your mouth agape. Pretty, pretty early on, pretty, pretty early out the gate. And then on top of that, the score is unreal. I mean, these are the things that you, you know, you can't open up the manga and music right. plays. Actually, that'd be kind of cool. I'm kind of surprised people haven't started doing that yet. With every tablet, uh, every right? issue of Shonen Jump is like one of those tinny. Speakers like in a musical yeah. greeting card. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Like the magazine that uh, uh, Tom Hanks's character was trying to sell in Big. Oh my! This God. Is, this, you know what I mean? But I, I'm kind of surprised people do that. But yeah, it's that. It, it is that. Um, that brilliant, splashy visual and and sounding stuff that UFO Table brought brought to the table mm. that I really, really think just, man, it launched into another level. And at the same time, and you mentioned this before we started, but I will I will be the one to say it so that I sound like the smarter co-host. Mm-hmm. It is also the back to basicsness of this franchise. It is a straight up shonen. It is fucking just very, very simple in its delivery and it's everything. It's not trying to rewrite the script. It's not trying to neon genesis it up and, mm-hmm. and add some some kind of crazy layer of like psychosis or, or or something like that. It is just like, no. There's a, there is a boy. His family gets taken out by demons. His sister gets turned into a demon, but he's it managed to make her not a violent demon. And so he's, he's trying to turn her back into a human, and he goes on his quest to do so, and it involves becoming a demon slayer and slaying other way super powerful demons and wouldn't you know it jojo style you know the different demon the 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 boss demons essentially that he encounters all have these different very special abilities and he has to kind of figure out how to work around them but unlike jojo it's a lot more show a lot less tell i mean jojo's all tell in a lot of ways you know what i mean i mean it's very showy but it's they talk through the whole all of his powers and all this stuff and and in Demon Slayer, I just feel like, man, they get in there into that fight. It's they they really sh- visually deliver on what what the demon's able to do and what uh what our protagonist's able to do. And at the same time, there is no episode where the demon and Tanjiro, our hero, just stare stare at each other and power up. Like yeah, and that was exactly what I was about to mention, Jake. And at the same time, you just don't feel like they're saving money. At parts to oh, uh, spend it all on one big save moment. Save money. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, but but still, there just feels like that action is happening like constantly, and I never, you know, there are definitely in between her episodes, but you just what I mean is like in, in one fight episode, it doesn't feel like they bide their time until the very end and then like deliver one one big action mm-hmm. moment. It feels the action feels much more like flowing all throughout, and yes, they always deliver a big. Amazing splashy action moment, but but the, I don't you know, know what you're saying. It, the build to those splashy action moments are uh-huh. so organic that you're like yeah. all the way on board. And when it reaches those million dollar shots, the kind of things that have made uh, Goblin wow, I said Goblin Slayer, uh, Demon Slayer, 
uh, so popular. Well, how would you online. mix those two up? They just kind of came out around the same time and are pretty much called the same. Yeah, mm Slayer. Um, <laughs> Slayer. Yeah. Why, why do I? Whatever. Mm Slayer. I'll just say that, and then I can't get it wrong. <laughs> that by the time the fight has reached such a fever pitch, you're kind of blown back. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! How did we get here? This is incredible. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agreed. All right, let's get into it. This show is awesome. I, you guys got to watch it. It's on Netflix, by the way, if you don't have like the anime apps. And mm-hmm. it will just, and you will get sucked in so quickly. Definitely, definitely watch the first two episodes before you make your decision whether you're going to keep watching. Because I do think it takes that one two punch of the first two episodes to really draw you in. But before we get into the anime, let's talk about our mangaka, the uh, man behind the. The great work, Demon Slayer. The man? Um, I be- Okay. Yeah. This was confirmed on like a Reddit. Okay. There was like a Reddit thing where the editor, and I have quotes from the editor, ref- and it, it, the editor uses he. This is one of those things where we don't have a lot of good quotes from the mangaka themselves. I guess I'll say themselves. They, they've maintained anonymity, but it seems that in the past, the, his editor, um, Katayama, it... Uh, referred to them as him so that's why i you'll hear me say him from time to time especially when i quote the editor but yes it's one of those things the the author very japanese it's something i'll never understand by the way because the first thing i want to do is take credit for massive achievements i just it's such an american thing but uh uh, koyaharu gatoge uh he has maintained anonymity his avatar is a cartoon alligator with broken glasses it's very silly looking wait are you sure i really couldn't get a definitive answer it was like all over the place Place where, like, officially they only use gender gender neutral terms uh, in official documentations. Uh, one uh, sh- Shonen Jump employee during like a convention uh, just blurted out that it was a woman. Like the in the same interview uh, that I read, the editor used him pronouns. But is that just a translation error? It seems very weird. So I'll say they, assuming not assuming gender, but you're going to hear him. When I do these Katayama quotes, yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's a, he's and him's in there, so I'm pretty sure a man, but could be a woman, and just translation thing. Good. The good only call, thing Jake. we know for sure is that they might be an alligator. <laughs> yes, the I love look up the avatar. It's a cartoon alligator with broken glasses. Very silly. I love that there's always a comical, cartoonish avatar for these people. By the yeah. way, um, and so yeah, we don't know a ton. He was born in Fukuoka uh, Prefecture, Japan. I'm sure I pronounced that right. In 1989, and he debuted in the 70th Jump Treasure Newcomer Manga Awards with a one shot called Kagari Gari, mm-hmm. uh, which is about oh, uh, what do you know, demon slang. Um, his biggest influence is definitely, and you can definitely see it in the show and on the manga, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Naruto, Bleach, just your, your fucking big hitter uh, shonen manga. Also, uh, Jintama. And uh, it should be noted that all of those series from JoJo's to uh, Bleach and even Naruto in a lot of ways were like deviations from standard uh, shonen Series like uh, Jintama is almost this like super meta, like kind of deconstruction comedy thing. Uh, Joe's Bizarre Adventure, uh, just completely playing to the march of its own drummer. And Bleach brought in all these like modern fashion and kind of this Mm. edgy horror uh, sting to the series. And if you read uh, Kagari Gari, it's very, uh, it's pretty much the bare like essentials for all the stuff that made Demon Slayer what it was. You have 
a lot of kind of character archetypes. Um, the main bad guy, or you know, there's a guy dressed like uh, what's his name, Mezu, the uh, big evil guy, Master Mezu, Muzan. I'm sorry, Muzan Kibutsuji in Western attire. Uh, our head demon slayer. Like there's a demons versus slayer kind of uh, dichotomy. It takes place in the Taisho period. Uh, the even the main character talks about his sense of smell. Mm. Uh, it's like almost a perfect kind of uh, pr- like vertical slice of what Demon Slayer was going to be. Mm-hmm. The only thing missing was Tanjiro, uh, the main character in Kagari Gari. Was this uh, arguably like, one of the most important elements to make this as popular as it is with so many different age groups and gender and all that stuff. The main character in Kagari Gari kind of has this uh, Giyu Tomioka uh, vibe, kind of the the aloof, angry, Sasuke uh-huh. loner. Death Note kind of yeah. vibe. He's yeah. also missing an arm, which is kind of cool. He fights one-handed. But oh, cool. anyway, uh, it's like he's he's not, he, the it's missing that heart. It's a very cruel world where like the demons are there and they're dicks to each other. And our main demon slayer is also kind of this just like gruff asshole. Yeah, and you're already kind of alluding to what made this so fucking popular with everybody was the addition of that of those characters and some of, and that humor and that heart. You mix that in with the edgelord stuff, and all of a sudden everybody's got a reason to sit down and watch. But throw in the visual, the splashy visuals and all that stuff as well. And I think that's just what opened the doors on this to become such a smash hit, at least uh, in anime form eventually. So after that one shot, though, they still start floundering, trying to figure out what to do. Um, There are a couple more one shots. They're each around 45 pages in length. Um, And one of them is uh, Hainiwa no Zigzag, which is uh, about a man named Zigzag who has a mysterious power to remove curses. And the thing was with this one, this is when Gotuge is now trying to make a serialized work in Shonen Jump. I mean, that's the that's the goal, right? You want to get a serialized thing going. But the art of that, and that's what's been fun about reading how these anime shows get so popular and then looking back at the manga and where, where it started, it's, that's the key for so many mangaka. It's not just getting into Weekly Shonen Jump. It's getting something in that right off the bat, readers go, oh, I'm down. Give me more. And that's this, the, the secret sauce to make that is is the secret to success by far for these people, which is also why so many anime series are so good at that first like episode <laughs> or two, because it's all built around, if we can just draw you in with that one or two opening episodes, then we know we'll have you hooked and we can just like keep it, keep the hamster wheel going. There's so- a total of like one and a half episodes where Naruto is actually like ostracized in his community and like for the rest of the entire series you feel that chip on his shoulder the entire time mm-hmm. it's so yeah, important completely so uh this is released in weekly shonen jump in 2015 and zigzag failed to zig i read it and it's the magic system in it is all based on like trees and curses and you can like remove curses and add curses it's hard to follow uh, the main character, Saito Zigzag, is like kind of this asshole who keeps talking about how, like, I don't even want to help people. I got a curse on me that says if I don't help people, I'll die. This shit sucks. I hate you. I hate everybody. Now spit out three of these seeds and I'll transform them into a curse tree. And then I'll use the fruit from the curse. It's just I'm like the art is there. There's like something, you know, there is there's some energy in there. There's like horror and mysticism mixed with a modern day setting. But at the end, I'm just like, this is definitely not it. 
comma, chief. And this is a great example by every great mangaka usually has a great editor working with them. Uh, and that great editor is, in this, in this case, is Katayama. Katayama-san said, I continue to mull over how to make best use of Gotoge's sensei's style and talent. I came to the conclusion that an easy-to-understand theme would be best. With that in mind, we chose to work off of his award-winning debut title, Kagari Gari. It has a simple Japanese motif to it. I thought uh, without a clear motif to the outfits and other elements, it would be difficult to draw up a plan. And so we borrowed from a theme that everyone is familiar with. The stage was already set in Kagari Gari. The base was rooted in reality, and the concept of the swords and demons needed no explanation to the Japanese audience. Then they created a storyboard based on this original work and named it uh, Kisatsu no Nagare, which failed to take off due to its serious tone and lack of comic relief. Again, the editor swoops in. Katayama says... I thought I wouldn't be able to get through it unless the main character wasn't switched out. And so I asked Gotoge-sensei if there wasn't a brighter, more normal character in the world he had created. That's how Tanjiro and uh, Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba came to be. It was that last little piece. They needed the light in the dark. If you don't have that light in the dark, then it's just not, it just doesn't work. It's just this kind of, and, and, you know, not that that can't work. I feel like Death Note is a great example yeah. of something that's just kind of full edge, right? But it works but because of these other elements. But this story, especially if it's going to be a classic shonen, this story needed needed that that here that lovable hero and Goku, the lovable lunk. You know yeah. what I mean? You've got they're all, you know, even Naruto you brought up the sort of the the chip on his shoulder, but lovable, you know, positive, you know, you gotta believe. Like you but gotta Tanjiro have that. isn't a scamp. Uh-huh. And he's not and he's not even like explicitly being like, I want to do good, like uh, Midoriya in My Hero Academia. Uh-huh. He seems just like a genuinely kind person. Right. Just a family man, a man who loves his family and who uh, uh, loves his sister so much. He worked hard, grew up in the mountains. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a hard life and he did his best. Uh, you know, the oldest sibling had to take care of his younger uh, siblings. Mm-hmm. So he understands what it means to have responsibility. And even uh, at the height of pitch of battle, at no point is he ever going like, yeah, I like this. I want to get stronger. Right. You got huge guts. But like none of that. He's, he's just like- because he has to. And yeah. he's also doing it completely like unlike Goku he's not like the most powerful dude on the planet he is a everyman mm-hmm. he is a normal guy who could die to the demons fucking teeth any second uh and he's able to pr- pull through and i'm going to this is going to play into my whole uh um quarantine covid uh, mm. <laughs> uh thesis statement at the end but yeah he's that he's that guy that's just completely any one of us could be that that would could absolutely die at any moment but able to just pull it together and i think that 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 heart and that determination and yet yet that humanity is i think what draws so many people to his character in the show and if it didn't exist then it wouldn't be great but then at the same time and it's so funny because i i wanted to make the joke this is a uh, uh the third in our hot topic series that we've been doing lately oh well, uh, yeah nightmare on elm street hot topic and now demon slayer demon slayer perfect for hot topic because also you have this like edge lord vibe no, people as well are the getting demons. their shit chopped to bits yeah and, and that all the demons are like goth fucking, yeah, yeah. Pe- you know, the, the most popular goth kids ever. Spider, 
family and fucking, you know, all train all that. boy, and, and, dreamy train boy, tra- train uh, talking hand train boy. Yeah, they're all like they're they, there's like these vibrant colors along with the black and white and mm-hmm. they vibe together in such a like hot topic way that uh, that, yeah, you have all these elements mixed uh, kind of clashing and mixing in together and. And uh, I think it just creates this really like viable piece. I know it's almost part of modern shonen kind of uh, uh, structure at this point. But one of the things in Demon Slayer that they painstakingly do is every time a villain is defeated. Uh, I feel like One Piece was the king of this where like mm. you really get to know the villain as yes. you're kind of saying goodbye to them. There's a lot and of every demon has like a heartfelt kind of like. They regain their humanity a little bit, and they're like, I didn't want to mm-hmm. hurt people. Oh, gosh. Well, hopefully I'll do better in the next life. I miss my mom. Like, And Tanjiro is right there, mm-hmm. always being like, I'm sorry it had to be like this. You killed a lot. Of, you ate so many babies, dude. But I, <laughs> yeah, shit sucks, man. I'm here for you. <laughs> the legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. There's, you get very quickly used to flashbacks to whatever character you're watching as a child. Yeah. Right? You, you get that so many... It's a very... It's almost, after a while, it's all, it almost starts to feel like a cheap gimmick. You're like, oh, okay, we get it. They were once a vulnerable boy <laughs> or girl. And, you know... Um, but but it is a good way to get, get it across that these are all human beings. I mean, isn't that the best way to do it? I mean, just show them as a kid. Yeah. Because everybody was once a, just a child, you know? Just a, a defenseless little... Um, lovable you know child and so yeah that that definitely comes into play um another element of the manga and tv series is its setting it takes place in the taisho period uh the series uh that that uh, period is from 2012 to 1926 so not like ancient japan i think at first you can kind of almost think it is because he's out in the woods and whatnot but Actually, it was more around World War One time, a time during which Emperor Taisho ruled Japan. The country was moving into a more of a liberal direction. There was a big boost for labor movements. There was a big boost in urban developments, actually, and, and like more city planning and things like that. And we do get a little taste of the city. I'm excited because I think, I believe season two... It takes place in, uh, it's called the Entertainment District Arc. The last time we heard a uh, a reference to the Entertainment District, it was uh, during our Yakuza episode. Uh Because, yeah, that was like an ancient uh, neighborhood that was full of like theaters and brothels. And like, we'll get to see... Uh, we'll get to see the uh, that area like during its prime, and we get a taste of the big city in, in one of the episodes in particular when he meets the uh, ultimate baddie uh, at this point in the series run, at least. Also, most importantly, it was uh, back in it was after World War One, where Japan was on the right side of things, uh-huh. and not World War Two, <laughs> where as a society, let's agree, they made a couple of oopsie whoopses. <laughs> Another thing I like uh, the simplicity of the settings in the sense that like. You can kind of break down each arc into a different location. There's the, there's the, you know, but out past the opening, you've got the big creepy house. Mm-hmm. Then you have the big creepy forest. Mm-hmm. And then the film is the big creepy train, right? Those are kind of the three, th- you know, and it's just so simple and it's so like, 
clear cut and I really kind of lo- appreciate that. It is so refreshing that uh, especially looking all this stuff online, they refer to each setting as an arc. But unlike something like Dragon Ball or Naruto or My Hero Academia, where an arc can take an entire season to get through. Uh-huh. Some of these are like two episodes long and they still say the Wisteria Mansion arc. And I'm like, that's that's just two episodes. Yeah. Oh, I love this. They're just yeah. cutting through everything. It's awesome. Um, it just moves. In the fight scenes so many times. Uh, it's something like, like you mentioned Jojo where like, okay, the hero is faced with a attack. And he doesn't quite know how he's going to get out of it. Instead of spending 10 minutes being like, if I rotate my body 30 degrees to the left, I'll be able to counter rotate. Right. The effect of the, and instead our hero just goes, oh wait, I can spin out of it. And he just does it. Yeah. <laughs> and like we move on. And he just like yells a move out. Like, yeah. you know, number six, like, uh, water, you know. water form, ninth, <laughs> water breathing, seventh form. <laughs> Spinny splashy. But then it visually shows you, and that's again the show don't tell. It, it just it, the visual does all the all the tell you need. It, it you'll see it in motion. You'll be like, oh, I see. He needed to do like a, a cyclical kind of a spiral move to to properly defend this attack and that kind of thing. I also it's also weird uh, in the in both the manga and the show. There's all these elemental effects on uh-huh. all the characters' attacks, and uh, supposedly. That is, uh, in, when I read, it's supposed to be a visual flourish that, like, it's just supposed to represent the flow of the attack or the intention or the speed of it uh-huh. or the force of it. Um, But then also in the series, like, using a water attack does, like, splash something or, like, using a fire attack does burn something. And I can't tell whether, because the idea is that these are human swordsmen fighting against supernatural being. And it's about the tenacity of these, uh, of humankind facing such unbelievable odds. Cause they're, you know, literally instant healing, immortal, super demigods. And you're just a guy with a big knife. I mean, I would just chalk it up to the, uh, we should, we should give it a name like the, uh, Hobbes tackling Calvin effect. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like some things are best just left unexplained or, or ambiguous, right? Like, Fair enough. How, what, what, you know, my brother and I would talk about that all the time. If you would never read Calvin and Hobbes, there, there's always the trope of Calvin coming up from school and Hobbes tackles him and, mm. and he hates it. Right. So it's like my brother and I'd be like, so what does he do? Does he grab Hobbes and just throw him <laughs> on himself? when he comes home from school I mean you know and Bill Watterson has gotten that question a million times and he's like sometimes you just it it's better left just mm. totally uh, you know uh, uh, ambiguous and um, what's not literal but now I'm gonna go crazy not literal but symbolic no literal what's the opposite of liber- literal metaphorical figurative figurative but figurative yeah mm. not literal but figurative anyways um the manga run. Gotuge wrote and illustrated the whole thing himself. It was serialized in Weekly Shonen Jump from 2016 to 2020. So, Jake, does that mean it's totally over? It's, it's done? Uh, if you want to know how he defeats the big bad and saves the day and even what his future descendants are up to, you can just go ahead and read yeah, it right now. That's awesome. Yeah, I, which I kind of might. Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> it's all. I love it that it's all there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about why it stands out. Uh, I have a good quote from... Uh, the editor Katayama about it uh, he people don't pay for works of entertainment unless there's something different about them going back to what I said earlier the dialogue is something that's not really been seen before in terms of character design too I think Tanjiro is a type of male main character that you don't really see much he's so kind 
He has Nezuko, so he's coming from this position where he can't just say all demons are absolute evil. He's in the gray zone. His sister Nezuko is an incredibly key player in that, and it's because of her that the events of Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, are going in such an original direction. I would also throw onto that, I think from the very moment we realize that she is gonna like not kill him, we start to think, Oh, is she gonna be this like badass secret fucking weapon mm-hmm. that's gonna like come out and like work in tandem with him to fuck shit up? And spoiler alert, that's absolutely the case, and it's awesome. And oh it my super god, pays off when it happens. I, so so watching watching the show, uh, my lovely fiance Marie sat down, and usually when I'm watching anime and she walks into the room, I have to start apologizing. <laughs> I have to be like, "All right, that's there's a reason why she's not wearing underwear. There's a reason why." <laughs> Right, right, right. He keeps uh, staring at her boobs. There's a reason. It's fine. It's cultural. <laughs> it's fine. And as soon as she saw, like, I'm sorry, do they keep the sister in a box? And I was like, yeah, but it's cool. Like, how does she fit in the box? Like, she turns into a little girl. Well, what's on her face? It's a muzzle. Or like, are you telling me that the main female character in this show is a little girl in a box and a muzzle? And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. But hear me out. And by the end, Seeing Nezuko in action, because it's it's one of the oldest tropes in the world where you get like your super femme kind of like uh-huh. the girl on the team, but you're smarter than average. So you're like, no, but she's capable of super cool violence. So ha ha, yeah. that's not sexist. But the actual balance of like her bestial and determined drive mixed with her kind of subdued, uh, what do they call it in like weeb circles, that emoto little sister demureness is really well done. She's a very compelling character and you find yourself kind of rooting for them as siblings that they truly do care for each other and that they do want to protect each other in a way that isn't like kind of that horn dog romantic childhood friend way. Like that that familial care really does resonate for anyone that's had to take care of a younger sibling or was taken care of by an older sibling. Like it really does mm-hmm. like pan out. Absolutely, absolutely. Totally agree. The uh, the other thing, though, is is that it doesn't stand out. I think that's the other thing that makes it so popular. Katayama said, I think Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba is hyper mainstream. It strongly captures human nature. It's humans overcome adversity, grow, and fight villains who deserve to be fought against. It is both mainstream and unique. It is a great work of entertainment that anyone who likes manga can enjoy, regardless of age or gender. So it brings all those... Shonen lovers in already off the bat. Anybody who loves visual, like hyper visual animation, brings them in. And then the heart, the heart brings in. I think anybody left standing, right? Like that. It it just. It, I think it all works together so well, so everybody can hang out on the couch and enjoy it. Uh, hence you and Marie, and I think even um, Lexi enjoyed what she saw of it. We were. I, I watched it a lot during my like alone time with uh, with Winnie. But uh, I, you know, it, it just it sucks you in for sure. Another reason to just might be uh, the character Tanjiro and the anime releasing at a time, this is the beginning of my COVID thesis, released at a time when we all needed to overcome massive hardship, when loved ones were dying around us, when we needed this beacon of light and this human character, not, not a Goku, not nothing like that, but a Tanjiro who's like us, who's dealing with all this loss and massive hardship and finding the will to move on. And I think that subconsciously, past all the flashy visuals, past the like that just standard straight up the middle fucking shonen anime that we were all kind of craving and we didn't even realize it, I think really lies this character that we could identify with during a really rough 2020. 
And uh, yeah, I, I really do believe that that is what uh, really hit it all the way home. And when we get to the film, again, it comes back around because uh, as soon as uh, the doors started opening again and we could go back outside, the fucking sequel movie hits the movie theaters. But we'll get to that in a second. We got to talk about this anime. Or before uh, we move on to the anime adaptation, got anything else, Jake, about just the... The basics. Uh, no, I think we covered it really well. Yeah, yeah. We haven't talked about the other characters, but we'll get to them in just a little bit. Uh, let's talk about this anime adaptation. It first started running in 2019 uh, with its second season just coming out as of last October. I think it's hitting uh, the States, though, like in the next few days as of yeah. the time of this recording. I believe it's December 5th, and I'm super psyched for it. The first season is 26 episodes long. It is followed by a film that takes place right after the events of the first season, as we said. Yeah, so as we mentioned before, uh, UFO Table is the producer, and they are a, a special bunch because of how, you know, as we go, we'll see it, how great this thing is. Because uh, we've talked about other animation studios before. We've talked about TMS. We've talked about uh, Sunrise. We've talked about Madhouse. We've talked about Studio Mappa. We've talked about all these like kind of uh, well-known anime houses. And I think what made um, uh, Demon Slayer such a standout series and such a big hit that came seemingly from out of nowhere is because finally uh, UFO Table, this studio, was mature enough and kind of had the basics down, or not the basics, had their techniques down so well that they were finally, when they finally got to unleash all of that ability and technical knowledge on a down-the-middle shonen anime, it blew all these other series out of the water and really did resonate with audiences. Because if we, when we get into their history, they really were kind of working on this, a lot of niche stuff, a lot of fringe stuff, a lot of kind of adaptations. Well, and all their big stuff is not anime. It's video games. It's anime video games. I think that's why their sleeper so awesome. Oh, no, all their big stuff was uh, Tight Moon uh, Fate shit, Uh which is worth its own episode. I cannot even begin to get into it. But it is... They did the yeah. Tales games. I love those games. Tales of Berseria is fantastic. The God Eater franchise. Code Vein, which is, is like a, a anime Dark Souls, essentially, I've been dying to play. But they also did uh, like uh, a, a God Eater anime and a Tales of Zestiria mm. anime. and Adaptation, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the Fate series, which ostensibly is based on a visual novel that has since become... De- dear God, it's become fighting games and tie-in animes and movies and merch and light novels and ever like t- I, I really we cannot get into Type Moon, but if you're uh, if you know that blonde lady with the invisible sword and the armor that you see a million fucking sexy anime figurines of, <laughs> her name's Saber. She's in everything. She's one of the most popular characters in anime, but it's all contained in this kind of young adult, teen, vaguely horny, tons of lore, alternate timeline kind of uh, hard-to-get-into series with a very rabid fan base. And for years, UFO Table basically was just working on that. And one of the things that UFO Table did uh, as a production company that set them apart and really kind of streamlined their workflow is that while other anime studios were, you know, born in a 2D uh, analog animation era and then kind of adapted to 3D, UFO Table kind of was formed in 2000 and immediately began incorporating CG animators, uh, compositors, background artists, uh, to the point where the digital team and the traditional cell animation teams work side by side, sometimes next to each other. 
And so instead of like coming up with a scene and then being like, uh, maybe we'll do this part in CG, maybe whatever, in the at the very storyboard stage, they already know this character is going to be animated, this effect is going to be CG, this background is going to be CG, and the end result is these flawless sequences where characters are jumping around, the camera is moving, the lighting is unified. So even though there's all this mixed media uh, happening on screen, you can it all feels grounded in the same universe. Uh, they know the limits of CG. So many times if you mm-hmm. watch an anime and out of nowhere, there's just kind of a shitty car that looks like it was out of a PlayStation 2 game and you're just kind of like, oh, that sticks out like a sore thumb. They know how to work around uh, the limitations so that the CG uh, is almost seamless. Uh, there are shots in Demon Slayer where the characters are in fact CG models doing like a little move or doing a little flip, but there's an explosion nearby that like kind of draws your eye away or there's some other thing or it's a distance shot. Like they they know how to use it judiciously while living up to the uh, strengths of a CG composition. So those amazing shots where a sword is swinging and there's sparks flying everywhere and uh, the lighting is reflecting off the character's face and there's all these things happening on screen. You're like, I've never seen animation like this. And the Mm -hmm. thing is, you definitely have, but you probably rolled your eyes and were like, oh, I can't believe how much CG they're using in this shot. That's the thing. It's all about the blend, right? I mean, you know, that that goes all the way back to like, when we first saw CG that we really thought was like strong, in my opinion, was the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? And it was because it was a blend of real models and CGI and, you know, actual locations and stuff like that. And and you put it all together and, and the you know, and, and going back to our Guilty Gear episode, right? Our Arxis episode where we talked, you know, the reason why that fucking stood out so strongly was the blending of that 2D and 3D animation. And uh, another big part of their philosophy, too, is that they take a limited number of projects at a time, unlike those other anime production giants that you mentioned, Jake. Uh, they, they really, they, they have their own in-house staff do all the animation they don't do any freelancer work i I believe for the most part and they're also i respect this i hope this is true and there's quotes about this philosophy they're not big on overtime crunches they they want to keep it keep the work limited they want to keep it pure and they want to keep it you know uh i guess keep their employees hopefully rested and not just completely killing themselves to crank out more and more material. And that's why, again, I think you can look at something like Demon Slayer and be like, oh, this is special. There's something There's something just more special about this. It feels like it was more handmade. It was more carefully constructed. And uh, yeah, so those, that philosophy is like really awesome uh, to see from a, you know, anime production company now anime production company giant with this with this series i will say the uh, name ufo table is actually based on a real life table (laughs) that uh studio founder hikaru kondo uh saw during one of uh his trips to meet with overseas investors and he thought to himself man that seems like and you can find pictures of it it is in fact a wobbly low white coffee table in a vaguely saucer shape that does look kind of alien-like. And he was like, I bet you could do some good shit <laughs> gathered around a table like that. 
And for lack of a better uh, name, he decided to name his company after the table. Uh, producer at UFO Table, uh, Yuma Takahashi, said, I would say the biggest challenge was translating the uniqueness of to- Gotioge-san's art style. Their imagery has a lot of impact, with very distinct facial expression lines and strikely- striking visual choices. So I wondered how we would naturally translate that from manga into motion. Uh, all of the those flashy uh, sword style techniques, by the way, are all composed by hand. Uh, and I think that, again, is why what makes them stand out so much. It's not like just totally, it's not all digitally generated. And the time period meant the team had a lot of surviving photos from the era to work off. And they did a ton of that research that really plays in, especially when you see those like cityscapes and stuff like that. Uh, it really, really feels authentic to the time. And they also got a lot of help from Gotioge, according to Yuma Takahashi. Gotioge-san is involved in checking over these scenarios, character design, settings, and overall, they are intimately involved in the anime adaptation process. I was in constant contact with Gotioge-san throughout the production. They actually have a great deal of trust in UFO Table, so it was less about requesting changes and more about giving them useful advice to make the best work possible. In my opinion, it was a great working relationship, and I think that that dedication to the original work, as much as they were able to add, uh, as you said earlier, Jake, like, like so much shit to make it just stand out as an anime series, that the fact that they were so, um, they were so dedicated meant massive success for the manga after the anime came out because then you immediately go back to the source and you you say oh they they didn't like alter t- too much in terms of like what the basics they didn't alter the basics but it really is night and day in a lot of things an example that i see pointed to a lot is um during the haunted mansion sequence where we're introduced to the beautiful beautiful boy uh inosuke um there's a demon whose power set involves rotating the rooms of this old Japanese manor uh-huh. left and right, leaving our heroes kind of uh, bouncing off the walls and the ceiling and like getting disoriented. In the original manga, it's just that entire like uh, struggle is shown as a single panel and it's just our hero kind of bouncing up and down in a room just going like, oof, oof, oof. <laughs> in the anime, it is one of the most beautifully done composite shots, mm-hmm. single tracking camera things I've ever witnessed in our li- in my life as Tanjiro is struggling to find footing, adapting to the changing directions, at once terrified and driven as the camera stays on him while the environment around him rotates in, un- in alien ways. It's breathtaking. And all that from a single kind of like frame of just like, and then our hero gets knocked around a bit because the room is spinning. I would say that moment was the moment. Like the second episode got me into the show. That was the moment that made me fall in love with the show. That made me be like, I can't stop watching this thing. It's always on TV to my baby's detriment. Now I have to limit screen time, uh, which is important. (laughs) There even stuff like the character designs. Um, Akira Matsushima served as a character designer for UFO Table. And he, like, found these things that I feel like even the artist didn't quite, uh, uh, the original artist didn't quite understand, where the eyes are, like, such a focal point for each character, both the demons and the uh, higher-level demon slayers Uh and our main character, Tanjiro. Uh, Tanjiro's eyes were made so much bigger and wider and more clear. Like, you can look into his soul while the demon's uh, eyes are, like, almost like uh, bowling balls. There's like a sheen to them where you can't quite see 
like into what they're thinking. And even the Hashiras, uh, I'm sorry, like the elite level demon slayers, their eyes also kind of mutate and are given these cloudy scleras that in the manga, they're just kind of like, this one's got a little hatchy eye. This guy's got a little squiggle eye. But it really does like reinforce the character design so much stronger in the anime. Uh, even stuff like making Inosuke's uh, boar head just that much doofier looking, <laughs> like really helps so much. It's, 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 I truly think Ufo Table did uh, so, so many smart choices in elevating the base material. The legends are true. <laughs> Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Let's talk about these other characters. You mentioned Inosuke. We we didn't really talk too much about. Uh, that was my character I opened with uh, for the show. One of my fa- probably my favorite character on the show. What if it's just say fuckboy Vegeta? It's fine. You can just it's fuckboy Vegeta. I love it. He's such a fucker. He's he's so loud and and and, and like pompous. But the 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 difference though is. Jake is that little element where underneath the mask he is this very pretty, <laughs> just fey, beautiful faced man. But he dogs like this, like in, in the American version, he's dogs like this, and he's such a badass. But I just love that very early they established that underneath that boarhead mask, he is like the most beautiful man in Japan. <laughs> so perfect. I loved that character as soon as we saw his swords. Cause like in an entire uh-huh. series, the serrated blades. Yeah. They're not, that's the thing. They're not serrated by choice or no. I guess by choice, but like well, they he just choice. hacks away yeah. at anything he sets his eyes on that all of his blades have these giant chips in them so often and so many that they just become these jagged saw-like horrifying cleavers of destruction. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That, that totally in contrast with the elegant Nichiro Katana that our hero wields. And uh, I will say the the uh, the character Zenitsu Agatsuma, I have a, bit, a little bit more of a uh, love-hate relationship with. He is this very screamy comic relief. He's the cowardly lion of the uh, of the group, and uh, I love the gimmick. Don't quite love the execution a little bit. It's a little too much. I think he kind of cooled down in the in the film, especially. I'm starting to warm up to him more, but he does scream a lot instead of talking. But uh, the gimmick is great. That he's such a coward. He only knows one sword style. He's the lightning type. He only know, but he only knows one sword style. He that he bothered to learn, and he almost besides himself is able to overcome all odds because he'll like pass out. He's so terrified, and then in his passed out state, he'll like find it in himself to fight back, and then all of a sudden, like kind of besides himself, end up uh, saving the day. Um, so uh, there's stuff I really love about him, but yeah, he's he's uh, man. Does he scream and scream and scream and scream and scream? I also do love the relationship between him especially him and Inosuke, uh, is a lot of fun to watch. I mean, they both serve as foils, uh, you know. Yeah, totally. Inosuke as the crude, killer, be killed, survival of the fittest, mountain spirit of nature, and uh, Zemitsu uh, kind of uh, representing human frailty in a lot of ways. The will to survive, the will, the, 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 the noble 
pursuit of safety and comfort in a in a lot of ways. Um, I it, if it wasn't for the fact that he's drawn so comedically well, there's like uh-huh. genuinely hilarious. Uh, just expressions yes, and agreed. cartooning whenever he's in the middle of one of his uh, frequent and loud uh, coward <laughs> rants. Yes, was freaking loud coward rants. And he's still it better works. than Minetta on uh, My Hero Academia. <laughs> so there's something. <laughs> there you go. It's a little bit better. But man, uh, one of the big standouts, we talked about a lot in our Sunday study session. Check that out on patreon.com forward slash whisper the Sunday study session on Discord. You can get into it. We talk about and cover whatever we're covering that week. That would be the score. The score really, really stands out. If the visuals weren't enough, if the great, you know, the characters and uh, the, the just the great general, like, plotting of it, the soundtrack is so fucking good. Um, and that's because of the two composers, Yuki Kajiura and Goshina. Kajiura is known for a bunch of great anime scores, such as Sword Art Online, uh, one of my favorites, Poela Magi Madoka Magica, as well as the games like Xenosaga 2 and 3. Kajiura got into music at a young age, and after going into systems engineering programming for a stint, decided maybe music would be a more fun fucking thing to do. So uh, that was uh, what she got into after that, and she started uh, scoring stuff back in 1996. She's also part of a three-woman pop group back in the day called Seesaw and still composes for a a lady group called Fiction Junction. And so that's a lot of fun, too. She kind of has like an idol pop angle to her career as well, which is maybe feeds into uh, these great scores. And then a lot of the eclectic stuff you're hearing in the score when you just feel like the range of genre and style and... Uh, even made up languages and things like that that run through the whole thing. That is all due to Go Shina. Essentially, Kajiora started it off with like five tracks or something like that and then was probably had other stuff to do. And Go Shina came in and is mostly known for his video game scores. Uh, he joined Namco in 1997. He scored for the Tales games, God Eater series. Obviously, that's how they got connected to UFO Table. Uh, and his scores are known for incorporating a wide variety of musical genres. Like I said, orchestral, rock, jazz, just this very full-sounding uh, s- soundtrack and score that just never never ceases to change and be different and be interesting. And uh, definitely put that into uh, Demon Slayer for sure. And uh, has contributed a couple hundred songs or so to the series, according to what I read, according to uh, Takahashi, the producer. And not going to lie, Holden, not going to lie. I was going to try and do a deep dive into the music because there is like a lot of fun uh, old Japanese like kind of like rants in there and I was like oh that's kind of like Ghost in the Shell I wonder if there's a connection to Bulgarian folk singing as so many of our episodes end up coming into yeah (laughs) and I saw the OST list and it was as you said hundreds of songs and I was like you know what I'm I'm busy I got things to do (laughs) today that's it's unbelievable. And one of the things that was noted when uh, one of the folks in our, our group when we were talking about it is just how standout that score is. It is just brilliant. And man, does a show like that need a standout score? If you're going to have visuals like that and you're going to have action like that and it's just going to be so constantly moving in, in, in these different ways and then great comedy moments, moments of levity, moments of very intense violence and darkness. I mean, you've got to have a score to match it. And so these two, uh, and especially Sheena, I mean, just bring such a powerhouse fucking score to this thing. 
It, it really, really is beautiful to hear. And it's so funny because, like, for decades at this point, the Fate series, the Tight Moon series, all these visual novel adaptations that UFO Table was kind of building their reputation on. I'd see clips of it on like message boards or like on Twitter or going to anime conventions. I'd see the cosplay and the anime music mm-hmm. videos and all this, all these things that I was just like, wow, that looks gorgeous. That looks truly incredible. This is some of the highest production animation I've ever seen from a Japanese company. I will never, ever get to appreciate this. I cannot even begin to delve into all the backstory and alternate routes and all the like insane sub stories that I need to know to get into this series. And turns out all they had to do was just just figure out a basic ass story that was violent enough for young adults inspiring enough for kids and took place in a nostalgic enough era that even old people love it. Yeah. It really is like a four quadrants hit. So like I saw an old bitch on the street. She was watching on the tablet and I was just like, how old are you? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> Have I ever told you Emperor Hirohito is a very good friend of mine. <laughs> I, uh, I destroyed so many American submarines for him. I remember the Taisha period. Yeah, that was a real <laughs> fucker of a time. That was back when cocaine was called Crickety nibbles, and uh, we just, you know, I was like, whoa, whoa, what are we talking about cocaine all of a sudden? I'm just trying to talk to you about the fucking, age, you know, an old period you of Japan. You sprinkle it on a Tootsie like, Roll, and that's how you got your morning zoop zoop. He's like, old period of Japan, I'll show you an old period. And I was like, shouldn't you have gone through menopause several, several years ago? And she was just like, ah, oh, you never know. I, I live in a bizarre, bizarre neighborhood. Uh, it's very absurd. LA man, full of weirdos. Full of weirdos, man, and they will talk to you about them for quite a long time. I actually did get stopped by an old lady with her dog yesterday and um, was trying to get my baby to take a nap and she stopped that from happening by talking to me about her whole life story while talking to the baby as well. Anywho, uh, so of course, uh, just just uh, I'm going to keep throwing numbers out at you people so you understand how fucking successful this thing was. Uh, last year alone, the franchise made something in the realm of $8 billion, I, is what I read, which is fucking Not crazy. yen. Are you sure you didn't mean yen? I saw $8 billion. That's Maybe it was yen. I don't know. That's a lot of money. Maybe it was less. I than mean, I, I did walk into a hot topic, and there were a lot of t-shirts and sweatshirts and commemorative merch, stuff. The film alone made like five hundred something million. Yeah. So I mean, I guess it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Maybe I'm wrong. Then maybe it's the end. But it's a lot of money. Damn it. And uh, I think again, one of the weird elements of this. I think it's one of the earliest. Uh, I don't know. Has this ever been the case where the anime came out and made the manga incredibly way more successful financially? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Okay. Uh, it's definitely one of the more uh, clear examples of it happening because uh, it was it made headlines that Demon Slayer, the manga, was outselling like such stalwarts as One Piece and other like major hits on the back of the hit of the movie success. You know, we talk about Weekly Shonen Jump and how important that is for the success of a lot of especially shonen manga. And I didn't realize this, but. Uh, you know, it, it, it came out in 2016. It didn't come become massively popular until the anime came out in 2019. And actually, uh, Hiroyuki Nakano had actually, uh, the uh, editor of Weekly Shonen Jump currently, had actually mentioned that lately it has been harder for a series to become a massive hit on the magazine. I don't know if you knew that, Jake. And I think that's kind of fascinating because that's always been the, the, the stalwart yeah. way to get, become successful in Japan as a mangaka is to like get your thing into Weekly Shonen Jump. And so he's actually thankful for the anime's popularity for bringing new fans to Shonen Jump. 
which sort of blows me away because just because, like I said, that's such the 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 you know main kind of reason for the season I thought in Japan in terms of like reading manga. Let's move on to the sequel film released in 2020, Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba, the movie. Mugen Train, that is its title, is a direct sequel, as we said, to the first. Uh, it is, dire- again, directed. We, we mentioned the director, Har- Haruyo, Haruo Sotozaki, uh, directed the TV series, also directed the film. It is written by various UFO Table staff, and it is scored by Yuki Kajiura and Goshina, from, uh, who did the score for the series as well. I will say one thing about the uh, director. His debut series was... Uh, Ninin ga Shinobu Den, which was this horny ass comedy series that I <laughs> fell in love with at the height of my college anime thing. Like it's, li- it was literally this like this. It was about a, a sexy ninja lady and her horny master, and it was just shameless like we bait. I literally like I treasured this series. I thought it was hilarious. It felt like the closest to Adult Swim. Um that I ever saw before like Adult Swim started kind of showing more comedy shows uh from Japan and the and it used a ton of like mixed media it was they had meta jokes up the ass i remember the last episode was just a giant treatise on how you make an anime when your budget just randomly cut and the characters are like we'll never get to see this cool scene that we teased in the opening sequence damn that sucks <laughs> like <laughs> i i i got a kick finding out i think it's in america it was localized as ninja nonsense if you're in the mood for some 2000s weeb shit definitely give it a whirl i was i was personally uh Uh, It felt nice knowing that this thing that is now so beloved got its start in something that I thought was my niche little shame show. You know, I have noticed, though, that a lot of these big later shows or directors or career people in in manga and anime, their first thing was a weird little horny project. Mm Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's because you could kind of tell it. That's just telling a smaller story or something, or not having to be as visual as uh, something like a big shonen anime. But that is kind of funny. It's oh my god, like a, Holden! I figured it out. What? Demon Slayer is the Marvel MCU of anime because it's all these weirdos, all these weebs, all these otaku that were kind of shunted off in their own like kind of little uh, niche holes, and then finally, when given a shot, just I hate to tell a. Niche a hole. Yeah, what? Um, listen, I got all sorts of nooks and crannies and niche holes <laughs> that I store all sorts of valuable memories in. Yikes. <laughs> but seriously, all these weebs that did all this amazing work for more niche genres and more niche projects, finally, when given the opportunity and budget to tell a mainstream, down-the-middle adventure story, knock it out of the park with fidelity and technical skill that is uh, unprecedented for its time. And then it it kind of takes something that was kind of this uh, this niche genre, and it creates something that everybody kind of can appreciate. And it came along at the right time uh, in the MCU's uh, universe. Came along at the right time in uh, our post war on terror hangover, and in the case of uh, Demon Slayer during uh, our Corona, uh, a brief moment of fresh air in the Corona pandemic. I don't know. I'm, I, I like this. I like this hypothesis. Sorry that I went on a rant, Holden. You're very kind. I love it. We need it. We need more of these rants. All right. I've got my COVID rant. You've got your uh, niche hole. <laughs> so spacious. Finally, we can talk about it. Yes, there were. There are stage plays. 
Yes, it happened. Okay, not exactly a musical, but um, of course there is a stage play for the franchise. A second has been announced uh, with the same cast, and it's going up summer 2021. Couldn't get a ton on that, uh, but definitely look it up if you want to see like r- real, actual people dressing up as these characters on a stage. It's so funny, too, because the um, Isuke... Did I say his name right? Which one? Mr. Boarhead. That's what I call Inosuke. him. Inosuke. Inosuke. Uh, he's like weirdly wearing like a fake like torso. Like <laughs> he's wearing torso. fake abs? Yeah, he's like a shirtless character yeah. in the anime. And he, he's wearing like f- a fake torso piece. Oh, that's dumb. I have to, I'm <laughs> looking so this up right silly. now. I'm pretty sure. I hope. I hope I'm. I'm. I, I, yeah. I hope I'm right at this. Yeah. It's so. It's. Oh so yeah. Funny he's looking. got like a weird airbrushed <laughs> fake abs that's hilarious Uh, we love you japan and i just love how they have to make a live action play version i wish they did that here they don't do it they rarely do that here i guess i guess they don't do that anymore because of the spider-man turn out the lights fiasco huh oh my Uh, god (laughs) the ring the guy that got to play rengoku looks amazing Uh uh-huh that's uh insane it looks fun i couldn't get a lot on it i i I couldn't even find our real clips on youtube uh I didn't dig too deep, but looks like fun. If I was out there, I'd probably buy a ticket. Um, but yes, unlike the near franchise, you don't have to watch a shaky handy cam uh, bootleg of the stage play to know what the fuck is going on in the mainstream yeah. series. <laughs> Absolutely, I'd be interested to see how they do those uh, like um, sword technique effects. I wonder if they use like flowing, you know, ribbons or something. I'm like sure that they just like display some stuff on an LED screen behind the actors. Uh, I guarantee yes, that's yes, what yes. they do. And all I really have left is that uh, season two will start running on Crunchyroll and Funimation on December 5th as of this recording. So it's already out um, if you're listening to this like right when the recording drops. And if you're listening to this near 2028, then uh, yeah, you're watching some crazy shit. I wonder what you're checking out right now. Let us know. Uh, email me. Yeah. Guess, oh, my if God. If you're listening to this in 2028, uh, <laughs> the nukes have fallen. Podcasts are the only surviving form of media. You're clutching right. to a uh, half dead iPod touch in the ruins of a former world. I'm half robot, half gerbil, mm-hmm. essentially. I'm not even there's there's barely any holding left. Oh, uh, it's just all constructed from other parts. I've been mutated into like a half amphibious, like wretch of a creature. And I'm just like, kill me. Kill me. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> How's it hanging, you old wow. son of a bitch? Man, I can't believe we... I, th- I guess we just have to talk about future episodes of anime shows to figure out where we stand uh, in the future, Jake. Mm. I can't believe that. I went into a blackout state and solved that. Um, yes, uh, and of course, like we said, it'll cover the manga's entertainment district arc uh, taking place right after the film. I am psyched for it. There's so much good stuff coming out. That new JoJo is out on Netflix now, too. I'm really excited. We mentioned JoJo enough. I feel like I can promo that as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Check it out. Demon Slayer. It's What's awesome, too, is that you really can just get in right now. It, it, it I binged it. Yeah. I mean, I'm a psycho who sits at home all day, but I binged it in like three days. I, well, especially on something like Netflix, on something like Netflix where you can skip the recap, yeah. skip the credits, skip the opening sequence. It just flows. It just it like goes by. It flies by, dude. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, I and I it really it really will suck you in. Just give it a chance. And there it is. I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing, um, you know, that that got a lot of people through pandemic. Yeah. And it's kind of beautiful to see. I think it wouldn't have been nearly as popular if it weren't for pandemic. I think that the film just perfectly came out right place, right time. 
to uh to to for a lot of people when movie theaters were opening up again finally and we could go outside again. It was a way that a lot of people celebrated, you know, before they all closed back yeah. up again. Um, but, but yeah, it, it just is this kind of amazing thing tied to a very specific time in a lot of people's lives, I think. And I hope it continues to thrive and go on. I mean, and I also love a thing that ends. Yeah, I love that it's done. The manga is at least. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the, the full piece. It's you know? very nice that there is. It is a popular manga series that. You literally don't like something like One Piece that has over a thousand chapters yeah. or like literal months of anime already produced or like Dragon Ball that just keeps, you know, even if you watch all of Dragon Ball Z, there's just it just they keep yeah. putting more out, you know, and, and it's cool. You know, who knows? Maybe Demon Slayer will continue. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I think there's a Gaiden series that's being released right now, but like a lot mm. of. Uh, popular franchises have side series, uh, side story, uh, manga right. chapters. Remember in the movie when like one of the bad guys was like trying to get Tanjiro in the dream world, uh-huh. and then like he just comes out and he's like, he's too nice. What? It's like I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> like what? He's like he's really like you don't understand. He's like really nice. <laughs> but we <laughs> we're we're, mur- we're dream murderers. We go into people's dreams and murder. Like yeah, I know. He's too nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for our episode on Demon Slayer. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you'd like to follow us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. I mentioned it before, but at the $15 layer, you can join our Discord where we, every Sunday afternoon, to go over whatever we're you know studying that week. We watched the Demon Slayer film uh, in our last one. It was a blast. Uh, and so, yeah, we always have a good time there. Check us out. $5 uh, if you just want weekly bonus episodes. We do a new thing now called Wizard and the Newser every couple weeks where we put out... Uh, we put out essentially cover whatever's going on in the news, talk about what we've been playing and watching, and uh, that's mixed in with other stuff. And uh, yeah, again, that's five dollars. It's a- the podcast they told us not to make when we wanted to start yeah. making a podcast. It's me just doing giant bomb because I also kind of want to do a giant bomb yeah. type show <laughs> where we talk about gaming news and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, so that is weekly content. That is weekly bonus episodes for just five dollars a month. And uh, check me out on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Monday, Tuesday, Friday streams. I fucking finally got a PS5. I don't mean to rub that in. I'm not trying to say that to make anybody upset. I'm trying to say that to say uh, all, all to say Mondays. I'm streaming games, baby. So uh, please catch me on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Monday, Tuesday, Friday streams. Uh-oh, knock, knock. Is a puppet in the house? I think so. Jake? I also stream now. That's right. Go to YouTube.com slash Puppet Jared. And uh, one of my favorite new things to do on the channel is uh, Thursday night cartoon dumpster where uh, some of the worst slash breathtakingly absurd cartoons of the 80s and 90s uh, things that even intellectual property rights have uh, forgotten, as well as God, uh, has has abandoned. Uh, we watch it together with the community. It's truly something, an experience you will never forget. Uh, listen, Holden, what if you took dinosaurs and strapped a bunch of guns to them and made them fight aliens? You get to find out only on the Cartoon Dumpster, Thursday nights at <laughs> YouTube.com slash Puppet Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, and always remember, never stop bruising and keep on whizzing. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. 
For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.